And let's go ahead. Let's put our mission statement up and say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. That is what this church is all about. We are not a church that exists for itself. We are loving Jesus and each other in our community, and we're growing in Christ. I hope you all are growing. I hope, like, seriously, my, 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 uh, uh, my biggest fear for any believer is that their only growth and their only connection with the Lord is Sunday mornings. And so I hope that y'all are growing and been in his word and been in prayer over the last 14 weeks. But we're growing and we're going, we're serving each other, we're serving our community. So I'm excited today. We've got uh, training for our camp volunteers. So excited. Yes, it's going to be great. Uh, so we're moving ahead with camp. I don't, we don't even know fully what it's going to look like, but we're going to move ahead with camp. And so we are going forward. If we need to call it a protest, we'll call it a protest. We're, we're, we're protesting abuse and neglect, right? That's what we're doing. And so uh, we're moving forward with that. But today what we're doing is we are um, starting a four-part series called Agents. Doesn't that sound cool? Doesn't that sound intriguing? Aren't you intrigued by that? We're talking about the role of the church body as people who carry out the mission of God's kingdom in our world. And so I remember growing up, I always loved the idea of the word agent. The word agent always like sounded so important, right? Uh, my dad was a union, um, union worker, a hardcore union pipe fitter, and he had an agent that would, you know, get him work and send him. He was a journeyman. Um, and then they had travel. I had an uncle who was a travel agent. But I always thought about, like, my favorite kind of agent was, like, the secret agent, right? You know, you think about agent, it always had that, that word secret attached to it and sounded so special. And so to me, an agent was someone who carried out a, carried out a mission, right? And they either did this mission secretly or in the open. Um, either way, the agent was singularly minded, right? So the agent had a mission. He, was singular, he or she was singularly minded. And um, they were dispatched, and they weren't distracted. They, they were not swayed. They were going to carry out the mission no matter what, right? And so uh, as a grade school kid, I actually had, I don't know where it came from. You know when you're a kid, you don't know where the stuff in your house comes from, Right? <laughs> You still don't, yeah. Still not, still quite, not quite sure. But I remember finding, like, in the basement or in the attic, I don't remember where, but, like, a khaki trench coat, like you saw, like, Inspector Gadget wore, right? And I remember grabbing that and a fedora. I had a fedora and a trench coat. And I was like, I'm a secret agent. And I used to spy on people. I used to, do you remember those old rectangular tape recorders? Am I just totally, like, aging myself here? I found some, again, don't know where it came from. It just appeared in my house. But a rectangular tape recorder that you slip the cassette in, and then you push, you hold down play and record. You remember that? Like, back then, technology hadn't even come up with a one-button record method. You had to hold down record and play. And then I go hide it under a chair or something while my mom was, you know, in a room having coffee with friends or something. And, uh, and then I'd listen back to about five seconds of the recording. But this is so boring. And, uh, 
But I did, and I pad and pencil for taking notes. But uh, you might think of it as like agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but without all of like the cool gadgets and superpowers, right? It was, it was just agents of boredom. And so, but I just love this idea of playing agent. So the dictionary describes an agent as a person who takes an active role or produces a specified effect. And so God's role for us is to be active agents. That's, that's God's role. I think it's really important that we understand the word active when we say that we are God's agents. We're participants. We're not spectators in his plans. That every single one of it, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're in first grade. It doesn't matter if you're turning 100. God has an active role for each one of us in the kingdom. And I love I, I heard one guy say that in the kingdom of God, there is no demilitarized zone, right? There is no, like, neutral zone in the kingdom that he calls all of us to be active. And the mission of God calls us to do today that I want to talk about is bring hope. That we are, as God's agents, we are bringers. We are agents of, of hope. And uh, I hope that you know, all of everybody just kind of holds on to that right there. Because I have noticed, I'm, I'm going to give you just a little bit of church social commentary over the pandemic, if you don't mind me saying. But I've noticed that many believers, if I were to go by their Facebook feed, I would say that they're at home wringing their hands, afraid to go outside, fearing that the world is going to crumble around them. And then that that spirit is what they are projecting to the world. And so I believe that what God has for us, that as God calls us as agents of hope, that that is the antithesis of being an agent of hope. That kind of almost sounds like being an agent of fear, of doom, of pessimism, of, of things like that. And so I hope that all of us, you know, I, I'm glad that we're on the tail end of this thing, but uh, I hope that we can walk through the rest of this as being agents of, of hope. And so um, he has called us to a mission. He's called us to bring hope to a broken and sick world. And so this really is a powerful opportunity to be the someone, right? We talk about this all the time. In that declaration, someone needs to do something about that. Y'all, guess who the someone is? Look at the person next to you and tell them you're the someone. Kind of gently like that. Don't breathe too hard, heavily on them, but <laughs> don't cough it out. You're the someone. You're the someone in someone needs to do something about that. So you and me, we have the distinct privilege of showing the world that there is something better. There is something better than fear. There's something better than anxiety. There is something better than hand-wringing and stress, right? And so uh, you and me. And so there's just something better than despair. There's something better than the hopelessness. There's something better than succumbing to suffering. And so how do we carry out that mission? That's kind of what I want to talk about. How do we go about our lives in a world that can seem so devoid of hope? You know? And uh, we're going to talk about that. But first, real quick, let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we praise you. Lord, you are God, and if, God, if we truly believe that you are God, if we truly believe that you are king, that you are Lord over all, if we truly believe that you are large and in charge, if we truly believe all the things that we declared this morning over the last half hour, then, Lord, we have so much reason to be overflowing with hope. 
So I ask God that you'd help us to be agents of hope. Let your word come alive in us and bring transformation to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start off by reading the words of Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 18. But it's important, before we read it, I, 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 I want to set a backdrop. I want to set the stage for you, for the Corinthians, and what Paul was going through, okay? It's really important to know that the church, during this time in history, was under intense persecution. So when Paul is writing these things, he's writing these things from a time of an atmosphere of intense persecution. It was a time when Christians, they had to meet secretly because they could be arrested, they could even be killed just for following Jesus. So in the atmosphere, in the time that, they were, that he wrote this, it was a time of, I'm sure, uh, intense uh, like temptation to lose hope. And so uh, they had no legal protection. They were viewed as like a small cult-like religion that followed a crazy man who was executed for making blasphemous claims about himself. So even think about that. You know, if you think that Jesus is unpopular now, imagine what he was like with the early church. And so I could only imagine just the temptation for them to give up. But here's what Paul says, starting with verse 8. He says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Everybody say, not crushed. Okay? We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We may get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. Think about that for a second. Like, how many believers totally freaked out during the last presidential administration? Right? How many, I, I, like, if you turn, tuned into some even Christian radio, freaking out, just freaking out, hand-wringing. These people were, were hunted. They were hunted. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, could have been killed. Right? He says, so we live in the face of death. We live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise, with, uh, raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. That is why we never give up. You know, that should be like, honestly, like on more church t-shirts. We never give up. We don't give up, all right? Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look for the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. 
but the things we cannot see will last forever. If you remember one thing this morning, please just remember this. An agent of hope is always on mission. An agent of hope is always on mission. You know, it's, it's funny because a friend of mine was just telling me about his, his uncle's death. Off script. This, and, uh, and his uncle was in the hospital, and it was one of those call-in-the-family sort of times. The family had come in. They knew that he had very little time. This guy was on the brink of death. And uh, he said to my friend, he said, but I can't go just yet. I can't go just yet. There's one last thing I need to do. And my friend was like, okay, well, I don't know what you can do. I mean, you, you know. And about 48 hours later, his uncle led his nurse to the Lord and prayed with her and walked her into the kingdom. And within an hour or two, he passed away. He's just always on mission. He just knew that he was on mission. And so agents of hope, they're just always on mission. They're always on mission, right? Yeah, we might need to take time to heal once in a while. We might need to take a, uh, you know, a, a siesta. We might need to take a Sabbath, right? We might get knocked down by the enemy, but we don't stay down. We don't stay down. Uh, we don't abandon our calling. It doesn't matter, you know, what circumstances. Circumstances don't dictate your calling, right? If you lose your job, you're still called, Right? If, 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 your, if your boyfriend betrays you, guess what? You're still called, okay? It doesn't matter. Your circumstances don't dictate your calling. And so we don't abandon our calling. We don't quit, right? What's one thing that I say about bazats more than anything else, Hudson? Bazats don't quit. That's right. And so, <laughs> but you know what? The family of God doesn't quit either. We don't quit. We don't quit. The thing about hope is that it's not conditional. Hope remains. It's, it's not a feeling. Hope is a conviction. It's a conviction. And so I want to challenge you uh, all to be agents of hope this morning. I want to challenge you with four questions to, to help you stay on mission. The first question is this. Is Jesus' life in me evident? Is it obvious? Is Jesus' life in me evident? It should be. Verse 11 says that they continued to serve Jesus even while living under the constant danger of death. And they did this so that the life of Jesus would be obvious to everyone, right? So in their darkest time, in their time, I'm sure, where they would want to shrink back more than anything else, it became even more obvious that they were his, right? And so it became evident. It was obvious to those around him that they had the life of Jesus in them. And so is it obvious to those around you that you have the life of Jesus in you? That's an important question that we should ask ourselves. Okay? Is it obvious to the people around me that I have the life of Jesus in me? And, and part of that is this. Do I handle suffering well? Do you handle suffering well? And, you know, this could be intense suffering or small suffering. Right? Maybe your suffering right now is the people at your job annoy you. Do you handle that well? Do the, do, does, does, is the life of Jesus evident in you? Okay? And so, do you handle suffering well? That is such a big reflection of, of uh, you know, the life of Christ. When you're reflecting the life of Christ, 
handling suffering well is huge, okay? Anyone can be full of joy at good times. Anyone. Anybody can be full of joy at good times. I know some real sad sacks that when good times, yeah, they smile. They show some joy, right? But anyone can be full of joy at good times. But God calls us to overflow with joy during hard times, during bad times. And so it makes the life of Jesus evident that how we walk through hard times. Okay, I think that we have, no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, For time's sake, I'm not going to take a little sermon side note. But uh, let's just say sometimes you just need to tell this idea that, well, I'm just being authentic. It's just bull crap, okay? Uh, sometimes we use I'm just being authentic, I'm just being real as an excuse to, you know, kind of be a jerk towards people and not be nice to people and all those things. So back on script. Second thing is this. Do my words reflect hope? Do my words reflect hope? Okay. It just, this just kind of goes back to the previous question of reflecting hope during hard times. Do my words reflect hope? You know, we are so influenced by our words. And I remember uh, Wendy and I having a conversation back during a particularly difficult period with one of our children. I won't say which one. Um, I'm going to protect your anonymity, son. But uh, it was a particularly difficult period, and, um, and so it, it, was, uh, it was frequent that Wendy and I would have conversations and, and, you know, and say things like, oh, he's driving me nuts, and he's doing this, or he did that, and oh, my goodness, he's just you know, kind of doing that. And then uh, and it was actually Wendy who, who, who just said, you know what, when we talk about our son, we need to be talking, hopefully. We need to be speaking life to each other, to each other. Because that is so much more powerful. We'll never be able to kind of help him walk out of this season if we're just going to be complaining about him every time we talk about him. And so, uh, and so now we always have nothing ever but good things to say about him because we love him so much and uh, all the time, Right? Like my grandpa used to say, he's a herva boyka. Anyone can complain. Anyone can complain. Right? Despair. Anyone can whine when suffering comes. I know. I'm good at it. I'm pretty good. I've had a lot of practice. But an agent of hope uses words that reflect the goodness and love of God. An agent of hope uses words that reflect the love and goodness of God. Your words come out of your heart, right? And so if Jesus is in there, then show him to the world with your words. Your words come out of your heart. Speak hope to your neighbors. Speak hope to your coworkers, okay? Speak hope to your Facebook friends. Please, for the love of all that is holy, speak hope to your Facebook friends. And so third thing is this. Is my focus on the seen or unseen? Important question. Is my focus on the seen or unseen? Verse 8 says, We fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. 
all the stuff that discourages us, right? All the stuff that bugs us, gets under our skin, brings anxiety, all those things, all that stuff, you know, all, all of the bad news. You know what they do? It's almost like they suffocate you. You ever notice that? Especially like, gosh, over the last 14 weeks, the incredible just truckloads of bad news that has just been heaped on all of us can just feel suffocating and cause our hope to fade. These are not the things that are supposed to hold our focus. They're not. These are not the things that are supposed to hold our focus. And I'm not saying we should be just uninformed people with our heads with the hole in the ground, right? But we're, those are not the things that are supposed to hold our focus, we were made and God intended for us to focus on the unseen things of the kingdom. Just the unseen things, right? We're made to look and focus on the kingdom. And so that's why, um, that's why if you're really, if you want to be an agent of hope, that's why worship is so important. You know what? Because you ever notice that, like we sang this morning, when we turn our eyes on Jesus and we look full on him, the things of earth just get dim right? Things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so God intended for us to keep our focus on him. And so worship is so important. I hope that worship is a part of your daily practice. I honestly do. I hope that when you're driving to work, instead of listening to talk radio, you're listening to worship so that you're praising him. I hope that when you're like, I want to listen to some music while I work, or, or while I work out or something, you know what I mean? I'm going to listen to something that brings praise and glory and honor to God because I want to put my focus on him because Scripture says we focus on the things that are unseen. And so um, be a worshiper. And so the last thing is this. Am I looking forward to glory? Am I looking forward to that? Like, is that, is that what I want? One of the ways we focus on the unseen is we look forward to, inter- to eternity. And I, I don't know about you guys, sometimes I just get homesick for, for the Lord. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, I just want to be with him. Jesus, it's, oh, just come back. Just come back, set everything right, you know. And so we get homesick for our real home. And so is our focus on eternity? Are we looking forward to glory? And so like homesick children, we just anticipate the day when we see Jesus face to face. And we do so with so much excitement that we see the struggles. Have you ever done this? It's almost like this. Have you ever been watching a show on TV or you're watching a movie or something, and one of, the, one of the kids comes along and just kind of stands in front of the TV or starts playing in front of the TV, and you're like kind of doing this, trying to see the TV? You know, I feel like, you know, that should be the most attention we give these struggles because we're so focused on glory that when those struggles come along, we're like, Move it. Head. Move the head. You know, go play upstairs. Um, (laughs) You know, and so our focus isn't on the distraction. Our focus is on the prize. Our focus isn't on the distraction. It's on the prize. And so I remember kind of going through the early parts of this pandemic. There are a couple of people in my life that um, who were just, you know, they're convinced that what was happening is was just we're in the end times. And they were a little nervous about that. And, you know, hey, maybe we are. Who knows? I don't know. We've been in the end times for, for 2,000 years. But 
I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a long end time. And, uh, and I remember that their, uh, their posture towards it was very sort of anxiety. And I was just like, end times. Man, that sounds good. Does that just means I'm that much closer to Jesus. All right. Yes. And so our focus isn't on the distraction, it's on the prize. In fact, Revelation 21, 5 through 7 says, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Wow! That just sounds like a little hope, a little glory to look forward to, to keep our eyes focused on. Right? Drinking the springs of the water of life. So we have... So, so much reason to hope. And so we should be agents of hope so that we can lift others out of sorrow and out of despair. That's really what the church should be all about. The, the, the world shouldn't be looking at the church and seeing a church that's wringing their hands. The world shouldn't be looking at the church and seeing a church that's, that's, that's scared and frightened and, you know, in, without hope, without hope. Why in the world? Why in the world would anybody want to come to Christ if becoming a Christian was becoming some fearful, hand-wringing, you know, uh, just fill in the blank? Because we're running out of time. And so uh, what I want to do this morning is I just want to close by challenging you to enlist or re-enlist as an agent of hope. And if, if you'd allowed your message, if you've allowed the message of your life, either spoken or just communicated by your attitude, if you've, if you've allowed that message of your life to shift into one that doesn't reflect the life of Jesus and one that isn't focused on the kingdom of God, I just want to encourage you to just re-enlist today. Just re-enlist and say, okay, I'm enlisting as an agent of hope today, and my life and my message and my words are going to reflect the life of Jesus. We are agents of hope because, you know, there's no plan B. There isn't. It's not like God's got, got you know, some talking dogs that are going to take your place if you don't start bringing hope. It's not like, you know what I mean? There's not a plan B. It's you and it's me. And so we need to step up and be agents of hope in our world. And so let's go ahead and pray together, and we'll let the worship team come back. But Heavenly Father, this morning, first of all, God, I pray that you would forgive us for the times when we don't reflect hope. God, forgive us for the times when we... Uh, are we more reflect anxiety and gloom and doom and fear and all those things, God. God, forgive us for those times and help us to be people that constantly, consistently reflect your goodness and your glory and hope because there is hope in abundance in you, God. Oh, God, come and work through us 
to be your agents of hope. In Jesus' name, amen.